Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the Pincroft Pod. My name is John. I'm Lauren. And we're going to be talking about the 1989 release, Major League, and we're talking baseball's movies all Season 1. And Lauren, why exactly is that? Uh, Well, I'm a filmmaker, and I haven't seen a bunch of classic baseball movies, and you are a huge baseball fan. That is correct. So that is uh, the journey we are taking in the first season of our podcast And speaking of Major League Baseball, let's talk about the 1989 season. Very good season, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another, this is kind of a crossover note. Major League came out four days after the regular season started. Oh. Which is kind of cool. Intentional, probably. Probably. I would assume so. Uh, The Oakland Athletics, the subject of Moneyball, the movie we watched last time, Mm -hmm. defeated the San Francisco Giants in the Bay Bridge series in a four-game sweep. Ooh, I know what that means. means the Giants won none games. Mm -hmm. Just before the start of game three was when the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake happened. That big old earthquake. Oh, the earthquake. I remember you first mentioned that to me, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. But but you are, you're born and raised in the Bay Area. I'm from New England, so... Well, and a couple years younger. Yeah, so that <laughs> I'm going to go with the couple years younger because this was a massive, horrifying earthquake. Sure. Uh, so it's, it happened right before Game 3 started. I think they were about to sing the national anthem. Earthquake happened. Oy. Rubble was falling. Like, they had to evacuate and stop the game. That's really scary. So Game 3 was supposed to happen on October 17th. Obviously, it did not. It ended up being played 10 days later, and a lot of Giant fans say the only reason that it was a four-game sweep was because the A's could start their two pitchers that they had started in the previous two games because they were fully rested, Uh, so they could run their their next two pitchers, or their top two pitchers again. mm -hmm. Cool. Sure. (laughs) It's a, you know, it makes sense, but also, Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, Rookies of the year were Greg Olson for the Orioles. And Jerome Walton for the Cubs. The Cy Young Award winners were Brett Saberhagen, which is an amazing name. It is. For the Royals and Mark Davis for the Padres. The MVPs were Robin Yunt when the Brewers were in the American League, which is, I I saw that and I went, that makes no sense. Oh, wait, they were in the American League at one point. And Kevin Mitchell for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the Hall of Fame class were was Al Barlick, Carl, oh my goodness, Yatsermensky, Johnny Bench, and Johnny Bench is probably, the, in my opinion, the biggest name, one of the best catchers of all time, but uh, Red, Red Schoendienst, that's not how you say that name at all. all. Right, all I right. apologize, and I'm sure someone will correct me on that. Um, question. Yes. Class of, that means that that was the year they were inducted? Yes. Cool. And I have one other fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, 1989, Nolan Ryan struck out his 5,000th batter. Whoa. He ended up with 5,714 strikeouts for his career, which ended in 1993, and no one has even come close to breaking it. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. So Nolan Ryan, 
the goat. There you go. Those are all of my 1989 baseball facts. Nice. Let's now move let's to, move to the movies. Yeah. So some 1989 movie facts. Uh, the Oscar winner for Best Picture that year uh, was Driving Miss Daisy. Okay. Yep. Haven't seen it. I haven't either. The uh, highest grossing movie of that year was Batman. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was probably Batman. Yeah, for sure. Um, it grossed $411.5 million. Any guesses on how much it cost to make? I'm going to say it cost $50 million. Less, 35 Oh, right. That was a raging success. Yes, absolutely. Yep. That um, is why they made five other movies afterwards. Indeed. And, and continue. Still making them yes, continue to do so. Uh, the biggest flop of that year was a movie called Pink Cadillac with Clint Eastwood and Bernadette Peters. It cost $19 million to make and it only made 12. Woof. I feel like I have seen the cover, the box cover art for that. Yeah. it's um, it's, It sounds really familiar. Yeah, the movie poster was um, Clint Eastwood uh, looking old and squinty. Right, so, so basically, like most of them, how he has for the past, yeah, whoever knows how long, indeed, forever. Are those all of our movie facts? Yep. All right, so major league, some major league specific movie facts. Yes, great. As we've made very clear, we watched Major League from 1989. The description of the movie is: the new owner of the Cleveland Indians puts together a purposefully horrible team so they'll lose and she can move the team to miami i believe miami yes yep but when the plot is uncovered they start winning just to spite her so that's what the movie's about uh it was rated r i think primarily for language absolutely yeah. for language yeah i think every everything besides language i was like this could be pg-13 right it was uh, written and directed by david ward he also directed major league two Mm-hmm. He has directed a few other things, not a ton since then. Um, he's His writing credits are a little bit uh, longer than his directing credits, um, but he also wrote some characters for Major League 2 and 3 as well. Oh, he just wrote the characters. He wrote like some, some okay. specific bits for certain characters. Nice. Yeah. So it was released in 1989. Uh, the budget was $11 million. It grossed $48.9 million. Nice. Yeah, so very profitable. Yeah. Another reason, like, obviously that makes sense why they made multiple movies afterwards. Mm -hmm. So for nominations. No. It was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the the Japanese Academy Awards. Okay. Yep, it was in 1990. So the year after it came out. But it lost to Die Hard. (laughs) Okay. But if you want to know what it was up against, Black Rain... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Rain Man, and Die Hard. And then Die Hard swept. And Die Hard won. Yeah. Over Rain Man. So I think it was so funny because I was filling out our our little, my little doc for our podcast. And I'm like, nominations. Oh, oh wait. I'm actually going to check. It was nominated. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Before we, you know, get into the movie, we, we like to have a little segment called Lauren. What did you know about this movie before you saw it? Uh, I knew that it was rated R. Mm hmm. I knew that Charlie Sheen was in it. Yes. And I knew that on the poster was a mohawk. <clears throat> and I knew that on the poster was a uh, mohawk baseball face. And that's it. Wow. Yeah. That's not a whole lot. No, it's not. That but is... it did come out the year I was born. So. Yes. Yes. Which is also, once again, why you did not know about the 1989 earthquake. Correct. And the devastation it caused. Yes. True. Bridges collapsed. Love this movie. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah, that was really good. See, so, I mean, first of all, I think the thing that we have to address 
is this movie came out in 1989. There are a lot of problematic things going on. Mm-hmm. I think the the most glaring one is a team called the Cleveland Indians, which Fair. still still exists today. Yep. Uh, very problematic. They've done their best to switch out because you know they have the grinning Indian logo in this. They, I'm pretty sure they have gotten rid of it completely. Mm. I think, and hear me out, because this has nothing to do with the movie. This is just baseball. Got it. I think they should go back to their roots in Cleveland, and they need to rename their team the Cleveland Spiders. The Spiders? They were at one time called the Cleveland Spiders. Hmm. And here's why. Imagine a mascot that is a spider that has four hands with gloves on them. Wow. And every time they hit a home run at home, the spider bungee jumps. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be? That'd be great. That's the only reason why I want them to make rename yeah. the spiders. Yeah. And if it's offensive, then it's only offensive to spiders. Yeah, we so. can't understand them. No. So they don't they, speak a language. What are they going to lodge a formal complaint? We don't, you won't I understand. don't know. I mean, Charlotte, RIP, probably yeah. could have. That's fine. Some pig. Yep. Dear Cleveland, dear Cleveland Spiders. <laughs> we should just start calling them the Cleveland Spiders. This Cle- or the Cleveland baseball team. I think that's another thing I do with the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Problematic. Just re-educate yourself. But anyway... Overall, you lo- you loved this movie? You thought I, it was great? I thought it was really good. I mean, I think that it did a really good job. It, it felt very lean. Like, it didn't feel like there was a lot of, like, fluff. Right. Like, the the intro where each character is, like, rolling up and the like yes. the coaches are, and the manager are, like, watching them arrive. It's like, okay, well, this is this person. This yeah. is this person. This is this type of character. Uh, it just moved really fast and it really did a lot in a very small amount of time. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Um, Also, just like a ton of really lovable characters. Even the characters you don't like right away, you end up warming up to. Right. Because there's some kind of redeeming situation. Obviously, the, the the villain in this movie is the former stripper... Yes. Um, former stripper. Former stripper widow, widow. Yes. Of the previous owner of uh, the Cleveland baseball team. It's weird how we watched Moneyball last week and it was kind of like we, no one will give us more money mm-hmm. because they can't. And this was like, I'm not going to give you more money because I want to move the team. Yes. It's very like, and we talked last week how. Moneyball is an underdog story with not a real happy ending. Mm-hmm. And this week we have Major League, which is a underdog story that they could take liberties with. And obviously it had a happy ending. It did. It did. I mean, I think that the whole plot where she's like, people don't think I have any business owning this team. Yeah. Crumples up article that says <laughs> that. But I disagree. And here now I'm now I'm going to secretly tank the team. But, like, why can't she just... Couldn't she just sell the team? Okay, so there's an alternate ending to this movie. What? Yes. In the Wild Thing Edition DVD. (laughs) Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Uh, Lou Brown, the manager, played by James Gammon, who, in my opinion, is the greatest film baseball manager of all time. Can't can't tell me otherwise. Mm -hmm. Great mustache. Uh, Yes. He... And a great voice. Mm -hmm. He confronts... Rachel Phelps over her plans to sabotage because he finds out there's a scene in the middle there where he finds out and he says I I'm 
resigning. I'm not going to be a part of this team. And she says she revealed that the the threatening to move to Miami was a ruse to motivate the team as the Indians were on the verge of bankruptcy when she inherited the team and she could not afford to hire any star players to maintain the standards of the team. So she also tells Lou that he that she felt he was the right person to manage the rag. So it kind of softens her. Uh-huh. And he says or she says, if you tell anyone, I will I will fire you. And apparently the film producers, they like the twist ending because it kind of resolved the plot. Test audiences were like, she's the villain. Why is she all of a sudden? Yeah. So they scrapped the whole Why thing. is she slightly more likable? Yes. Yeah, because I feel like if you make her likable and if you if you start to sympathize with this baddie, yeah. then that whole scene where they have a cardboard cutout of her as a strip from her stripper days. Right. Where they're like, every game we win, we're going to take off a piece of cardboard. It's like a paper doll type right. thing. Where like you take away a piece of her clothing. And then at the end, you just have this cardboard cutout of a mostly naked lady yeah. who is their boss. Yes. Um. So if you make her more likable, that it makes that specific scene and that whole like running gag for that montage really hard to swallow yes i mean it's already kind of like man this is questionable yeah she's their boss yeah and i mean and she uh, uh, at one point she enters the locker room and is yeah she's doing a lot of problematic yeah she's pretty uh pretty in tune with that sexual harassment she was dishing out yeah so it's like you know okay so she can probably take it also she was a stripper so it's not like she you know that was someone she was in a past life right but yeah, I mean, I understand why they ended up doing away with that ending. But she was also like the only female character for a while until basically until until Rene Russo shows up. Yeah, yeah. or until as I have him, Curly Mullet, Curly Mullet's ex, oh, Jake <laughs> Jake Taylor, Tom Beringer. Yes, but Curly Mullet, Curly um, Mullet. Yeah, I have a note here. Curly Mullet really stalks his ex to some romantic music. Yeah, it's um not only once, but twice. Yeah, multiple times. And she's apparently into it, mm-hmm. at least the second time. Yeah, I mean... Not great. Not great. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, th- there's that whole trend in movies and just pop culture in general is pretty um problematic and exhausting where, you know, these guys, they... They don't take no for an answer and they yeah. end up they end up getting the girl, which is just really annoying because that just tells that just sets an example of like, just keep trying. They don't mean it when they say yeah. no, even if they're with somebody else like it had been years. Yes. It had been multiple years and um, like a backstory where he was apparently served papers in a paternity case at his surprise birthday oh party. My God, rough. That's a lot. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you eat. I mean, you sympathize with her a lot because he's obviously not a great dude. But, he, you know, people make mistakes. But also, you got to pay for your mistakes. Yeah. And sometimes that means you don't get the girl. But in this case, obviously, you do. Obviously, you do. But she was, like, straight up engaged to somebody else. Yeah. And she, you know, he pops back into her life, stalks her a few times. They have sex. And then, well, at the last game that the that they win... Guess who's there without an engagement without an ring. engagement ring? Everything, Ugh. everything's coming up Millhouse. Yeah, good for them, I guess. I guess. I don't know. We also have Charlie Sheen Charlie in this Sheen, movie. Who was? I looked it up. Twenty four years old. 
24. A little baby Charlie Sheen. This is such a great comedic performance from him. He has a lot of great lines. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's in jail at the start of the movie. Right. He he, he gets out and he he is a pitcher, but we find like we find out he's very wild. Like he can't pitch at all, which is why he gets the nickname Wild Thing. Mm-hmm. Well, he has the speed. He doesn't have the accuracy. He has the speed, no accuracy, and we find out it's because he needs corrective lenses. Oh, he can't see. And he gets uh, some iconic shades. It's basically an iconic baseball movie look with the haircut and the shades mm-hmm. and the turtleneck. Under the, the turn, yep. under the jersey. Yeah. Is it called the jersey? It, it is called the jersey. Okay, great. Are what? you thinking, well, you're probably thinking because hockey calls, they're call, actually called sweaters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but it's baseball jersey. It's a baseball jersey, yes. Great. But I love that scene where- Lou, Lou. The, the manager. Yeah, yes. the manager like brings him in and is like trying to talk to him about something and- he I think he sees, squinting. yeah, he sees Charlie Sheen's character or Wild Thing. I'm just gonna call him Wild Thing. Um, start squinting, and then he's like, he catches on, and you know, it's like, he, I mean, you just think about where this kid came from. He's yeah. in jail. Clearly, like he probably has like a really checkered past, mm-hmm. or maybe he didn't know that he needed glasses, or maybe he didn't, he couldn't get to a point where he could afford them or see a doctor. Yeah, who, who knows? But the point is, the manager saw it, noticed it, fixed it. And it completely changed. It changed everything. Changed his whole career. He, basi- he became the closer, basically. Mm-hmm. His whole thing is he could not get this one hitter on the Yankees out. Again, the Yankees as the villain. Yankees. In another movie. You don't have to tell. I mean, also in real life as a Boston Red Sox <laughs> in fan. In real life as well. Mm-hmm. But he finally comes through with the strikeout in the last game of the season. Yep. On this on this hitter, the who bottom just, of the ninth, who just hit in top of the ninth. My bad. Bottom of the ninth was when they. Yes, hit. Yeah. right. <sighs> but I mean, we have two. We actually have like three veterans on this team, and the, each one of them kind of. Well, two of them are very similar, and one is is not. We have Jake Taylor, who is the catcher, Curly who, Mullet. Curly Mullet, who uh, Lou Brown goes to and says, "I need you to be the leader on this team." Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the twilight of his career. Both of his knees are completely messed up. And we have on the other end, we have Roger Dorn played by Corvin Bernstein mm-hmm. of, I mainly know him for, well from this movie, but also psych the dad on psych, yep. which is always just my favorite thing. He is a great hitter. He's not a great fielder only because he's thinking of his career after baseball. Mm-hmm. What he's going to do next. What he's going to do next. He seems more concerned with quite literally everything else the, except baseball. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see those two dynamics of veterans who you have the the one who baseball is all he's concerned about and then the other one who had has no concern for baseball. The right now he's thinking towards the future. But when the plot is revealed that they're all going to be released at the end of the season anyway, mm-hmm. then it kind of, everybody starts coming together. And there's another veteran, the one who like has- The pitcher. Yeah, he has like oil in various parts of he his body has, to, I believe, cheat? Yes, basically yeah. to cheat. Those are all like, you. if you get caught with any of that stuff, you're you're suspended. Mm-hmm. Which is also funny because then I, I'm going to, we're going to step away from the players and talk about the announcer- Mm-hmm. Bob Uecker, who, who was is, like, he was like a cornerstone. He was a cornerstone in this movie is Harry, yeah. Harry Doyle, the announcer. Uh, he, every time that pitcher would pitch, he would call it a different, like the KY ball. And I think he called it, he called it something else at one Vaseline ball, mm. which is something I actually don't think I caught the first 
couple of times I watched it. But it was a funny thing. Bob Euchre is amazing. I He's one of my favorite announcers. I believe he's an announcer for the Brewers radio right now. Has a great voice. He, I think he's been in maybe a couple of movies, but this is his standout. Mm-hmm. And he's great, and I love him. Yeah, when he first came on, you you commented how much you liked him, and I'm like, oh yeah, so the, he's probably gonna have like a scene or two, and then it's like every he's, game, it's yeah. like boom, because well, he, he is moved, their announcer. Yeah, he moves the story along. Mm-hmm. He really it's does. A very good yeah. storytelling aspect to have the radio announcer yeah, move a, the story along. It's a great device because it feels so natural yes. in that setting. Oh yeah, yeah, where it's like the, he's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yes. Um, to just help move the whole thing right along. Absolutely. We also have, who you did not know was in this movie, a young Wesley Snipes. Yeah. As Willie Mays Hayes. Say, hey, you may you may hit, or you may uh, run like Mays, but you hit like shit. <laughs> which is just a great, one of the many great lines in this movie. Yeah, very, very um, he is. Well it, it's funny because we don't really get a backstory for him. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else, we kind of know where they're coming from. He just shows up and is not at spring training. He shows up and he isn't on the the list. Yeah, but he shows up with confidence. Yes, and what they find out is like he can freaking run. He can run. But he can't hit. So he's not, I don't think he's really a baseball player. Yeah, I think he I wants to be a baseball player. Right. And good for him for just showing up in a nice suit in a, you know, cute little Volkswagen Nice bug. car. Yeah. And he just like, Great attitude. I'm here now. And then he proves himself and he makes it. When he, I love when the, all of the guards come in and they're like, that's the guy that wasn't, and they just take the bunk bed off and <laughs> yeah. put him outside. <laughs> I've been cut already. <laughs> Yeah, it was very cute. A lot of fun. Yeah. Love Willie Mays Hayes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also had Pedro Serrano, played by Dennis Haysbert, the Allstate guy. Yes! Which is so funny because I told you he's the Allstate guy. And you said, no, he's not. I said, what? Yeah. But then, like, you know, uh, another, like, the next time I saw him, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I could d- definitely see it and hear it now. Yes. Yeah. Um, He is a Cuban defector who he was seeking, what was he seeking? Religious Religious freedom. freedom. This is all set up. Like like you said, that scene where everyone is just coming in, it's set up so well. It's so It's very quick. And I think another thing you and I do when we start a movie is when it starts, we see the runtime and we're like, whoa. (laughs) Like every time I think, this this flew by. Yeah, it did. This this was very fast paced, and like you said, no fluff. Yeah, I feel like every every line, every scene had a purpose, and like some of the some of the the scenes were like to have fun. Like, yeah. So it's not like you can't have a scene where it's just fun. Right. We're, but fun doesn't necessarily mean fluff. Right. We're which ju- I think is good. Where they get to uh, the stadium, and Jake is like doing the whole thing, where he's calling his he's. Uh, like a doing the radio announcing and he hits the ball and runs around. Oh, and, when he thinks he's alone. And they're like clapping for him. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like that, like that's a really cute little scene where he thinks he's alone, but he's actually being watched. Yes. Um, but like that's all, I think that speaks to how much he loves the sport. Yes. You know, he's just there having a good time. He's just having fun. Yeah. And that's great. But yeah, every, every scene, every line served a purpose and that really made it feel like it was a lot faster because the runtime was an hour and 47 minutes. So that's not a quick movie. No. For a comedy, I feel like an hour and a half is like the average. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was um, it was really good. Definitely moved really well. I'm trying to find, was it Eddie Harris? I'm trying to find the 
the old pitcher. Mm. So the the older pitcher is also very religious, and he and Serrano Christian. Christian they mm-hmm. they they butt heads. He and Serrano do, and there's a great scene where where we find that Serrano basically makes sacrifices to this Joe Boo statue, <laughs> which is a great great looking statue. Yep. And he he can only his his thing is he can only hit fastballs. Also, that actor has a great swing. <laughs> it is a great swing. I really like it. I w- I would love to know wh- what kind of training they all went through because mm-hmm. I mean it everybody's makes, pitching, it's everybody's probably hitting. something comparable to real spring training. Probably w- comparable to what they did in the league of their own, I would assume. Oh yeah, they had yeah, they went through like a boot camp type yeah. thing. Were you going to say anything more about the the religious? Yes. Yes. So there's a whole scene where he's making a sacrifice to Joe Boo because he can't hit the curveball. And the other guy says something like, oh, you need to stop with this voodoo shit and, you know, talk uh, talk to Jesus Christ. And and Serrano goes, oh, Jesus, I like him very much. Yeah. But he won't won't help me hit the (laughs) curveball. And he goes... You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball, which is a great a great line. There are just a lot of like great mm-hmm. quips. Yeah, I love at the beginning when they're going over the list that she gives everyone, and one guy goes, "This guy here is dead." And she goes, "Well, then cross him off." <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. It's pretty great. There's a lot of great stuff, um, but I really like the the dynamic between the two who have you know obviously a combative religions. Yes, um, where. Uh, you don't touch the rum, right? Because he pours a little shot as tribute. Yeah, you don't steal Joe Boo's rum. Do not. But the older, I guess, KY pitcher, we should just look up his name. I'm trying to find him. Um, But he, when there's no one else in the locker room, he goes over and he does the shot. He, yes. dr- he drinks the alcohol. And then he goes out onto the field and he gets hit in the head with a bat. Yes. And then towards the end, he when he's practicing pitching, guess who he has next to him? It's the little... Little Joe Totem, Boo, yes. yeah, which was great. Like, that's the like, fi- in just, the final game, yeah, just yeah, next to him on the, you know, just I mean, and that is such a great way to visually show how their relationship has grown, yeah, how their respect for each other has grown. Yeah, this movie does a really good job of showing, not necessarily telling. Eddie Harris. Eddie Harris. His name is oh boy, I'm gonna butcher this name. It's, I don't even know how to say it. It might be Cecil Ross. I don't know. We'll just say Cecil Ross. Great. Yes. And they like, they're like, that's just a nice little thing where they clearly don't see eye to eye Mm -hmm. religiously, but towards the end, it's just, you know. Well, they've been on this journey together. They played a whole season, right? Yes. And won in the end. And won. And they weren't supposed to win. I mean, speaking of another two people that don't get along, it's Dorn and Vaughn. So, Cor- Corbin Bernstein and Charlie Sheen, they don't get along from the beginning. Yes. But then there's an added twist to it when Dorn's wife, Suzanne Dorn, sees him cheating. Like they're celebrating winning and she sees him. Like on like a news program on a news or something. Thing with yeah. another woman. And she seeks out Ricky Vaughn and sleeps with him and then goes, by the way, I'm Roger Dorn's wife and leaves. <laughs> And Charlie Sheen uh, just sitting in the bed, and he's like, I didn't know who she was. Yeah, she was just this babe who was like, I'm down. Let's yeah. do it. I love that he avoids him all day, but then when they bring him in the pitch, Doran calls time, and he goes up to him, and he goes, Vaughn, I've only got one thing to say to you. Strike this mother." 
fucker out. It's great. Yeah. It's just great. And then really when they good. win, they hug, and then Dorn punches him and picks him back up, and they hug. It's great. Yeah. I love really... This is one of my favorite. Just as a comedy and just as a baseball movie, it's, ugh. Yeah. It's pretty peak, both of those things. Absolutely. Also, with Dorn, he, in, in one of their earlier games, he... He, he doesn't get in front of it. Yeah. He, like, intentionally lets it go. Yeah. Because he, he values his mug, his, his face, mug, yeah. more than the win mm-hmm. or the play. Yeah. Um, and Taylor, Taylor, right? Yes. Taylor, Curly Mullet. Jake Taylor. Goes to his home, goes to Doran's home and is like, if you ever yeah. <laughs> do that again. Like, and it's a really, like, nice moment that really establishes that he is... The leader of this team. Yes. Because Dorn improves in that way. I don't know if it's right after that conversation or if it takes like finding out that well, they're going to be fired anyway. I think he improves in that. And then I think immediately after that is around when they find out that the owner is purposely trying to move the team to. Right. But either way, I think it, you know, Dorn wasn't like, fuck you, man. He yeah. was like silent. Yeah. And he kind of nodded. I think he got it. The point is, is Taylor was like, hey, man. Cut that shit out. Yeah. Do you know what's also funny about like her threatening to move the team to Florida? Mm. Four years later is when a team actually did form in Florida. Mm. <laughs> so I thought that was also like a, a funny, like kind of real life thing. Oh, move. Th- so the moving to Florida was because Miami didn't have a team at the time? Right. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Well, I just know that moving to cities doesn't, I mean, how many teams does LA have of <laughs> various sports? I think it's like eight. It's too many. So. Throughout this movie, we would pause it, and we talked about this last time, about some baseball facts. So what did you learn baseball-wise while watching this movie? Let's see. Spring training isn't necessarily the final team yet. Yes. I thought that that is, the spring training was like, okay, we picked our team, now we're going to warm up, play some scrimmages for some audience. Right. Nope. Uh, Apparently, when spring training starts, it's not necessarily the locked team. Absolutely. I also learned that spring training lasts six to seven weeks. Yes. And I learned what a bullpen car was. Yes. Oh, thank you for writing that down. Yeah. The bullpen car needs to come back. Um, it sounds cute as hell <laughs> and unnecessary. Um, so from my understanding, it's just this cute little mini vehicle, kind of like a hopped up go-kart. Yeah. It's like, a co- like it's, a decorated. Oh, look, the old Mets one is on sale. Oh, <gasps> how much? I don't know. It's on eBay though. How much? Look it up. Uh, Find the not, I don't know. But do you, you see there's like different ones? Here's the, Babe, the Washington one. Wanna, do I want a bullpen? That's a bullpen card. I mean, what's, tell me a number. I don't know. I, we're just going through. The Yankees obviously, you know, had to outdo everyone. So, okay. So anyone for anyone listening, it's basically a go-kart type car that is souped up. So it kind of yeah. looks like maybe like the body looks like a baseball, has some threading. Maybe there's a baseball hat on top for there's whatever team. almost always a baseball hat. Great. But you told me that the purpose of it is to, when the, like when they're swapping out... Pitchers, um, when they're making pitching changes. So they can hop in this little car and someone drives, drives them, them straight to the mound? Yes. That just seems like, you know, they spend so much time and money into groundskeeping. Is there, do they really need a little go-kart right on the field? Yes. You well, because they're so cute, I agree with you. Well, I mean, it's also, I think one of the reasons was it's it's to bring the pitcher so they're not, you know, using energy going from all the way in the bullpen 
up front. But I mean, how many? Like, how many feet is that? That seems it's silly. A lot. It's it from seems, the outfield usually. It seems silly to me. Well, whatever. But also, it's very cute. I've never seen one before, <laughs> and I'd like it to come back when it, baseball comes. Some back. of it, I think, a couple of teams started using them again in 2018. I actually don't think I've ever. I haven't seen one, but. It said that people, people. I think the Nationals and two other. I think the Diamondbacks might have used one too. But nice. Yeah. I think everybody should bring them back. All right, I agree. And we should buy one. <laughs> All right. Do you want a little little New York man? Do you want me to? I'll. Open? I'm gonna look it up right now. I mean, I'm desperate to know how much it is. All right, here we go. Looking it up. Mets old bullpen car on sale on eBay. Come on, eBay. Okay. Well, this article is five years old. Oh. But the seller is ex- the bidding started at ten grand. Wow! Yeah, I wonder what it ended at. I don't that know. Is, is there an update? Oh, yep. There's an update. How update. Much? It sold for ninety grand. <gasps> oh my god! If you think about it, it started being used in the sixties, so that it saw. I don't know when it stopped being used, but it's. It looks like it stopped nineteen eighty six. So this saw this this cart saw two. World Series, and then countless numbers of other uh, wow. famous people in the passenger seat. Nice. So there you go. Very cool. All right. Well, I they should bring that back. I'm fine with it. I would be fine with it. All right. So there is only one thing left to do before we talk about what we're going to be watching next time is what do you give this movie on a scale of single to Grand Slam? Not to dilute my ratings, because this is the third episode. Yeah. And I believe this will be the third Grand Slam that I give out. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm going to give it a Grand Slam as well. This is one of my favorite baseball. I mean, it's, and I, you know, it kind of sounds like a broken record, but we're watching classic baseball movies. Right. Here, so, yeah, I think it's very, I mean, there were so many things about it that I really liked from a filmmaker perspective, from a film just in general perspective. Um, and then there's the added, they really did baseball justice. Yes. Um, so in that way, yeah, I would say Grand Slam. I'm going to go Grand Slam, despite my mother thinking it's not a Grand Slam because it's too dated, which is a good argument, I think. Dated because of the more than one problematic aspects of I it? I would assume so. Sure. But if you ignore those... <laughs> If you just completely wipe them away. Right. Uh, grand Slam. I, I, Yeah, it's a Grand Slam for sure. Shout out to Lorraine Pingle. Hi, Mom. Hi. Our biggest fan. Yay. Maybe she will start a new fan club, much like she did for Danny Frisella of the New York Mets. What? Did you know that? No. We'll ta- you all started a fan club? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Got Maybe it. we'll have my mom on and she can talk about it. Oh, that'd be great. Even though I think she kind of refused. Anyway. She can call in. It'll be fine. She can call in. Yeah. So next time, we, we said we were going to do a double header. Obviously, we did not because we realized that's a lot. And yeah. we're busy. And like movie facts because it's like it doubles the movie facts and the baseball facts right. for different years. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. We will be doing Major League Two because I think it is good just for the sake of comparing the two movies. For sure. And I don't think anywhere in our movie watching we will see a sequel to any of the movies so i think that'll be a nice little wrinkle mm-hmm. or stitch in so the baseball nail. none of the rest of the movies on our list have a sequel i don't believe so no already i'm sure the sandlot i'm sure does have a sequel oh yeah and i'm sure bad news bears does as well well, but they, well with that that's going to be a remake right but i, I mean think i think there is a bad news bears too that is not like gotcha I think. But anyway, next time we're going to watch a movie that we have both seen. 
But not for a while. Not for a while. We're going to be watching The Sandlot. Classic. Classic, classic. of classics. I'm going to say right now. That wimpy deer. I'm going to give it a grand slam. Already grand slam. Hercules. Are you sure? You don't know. I don't know. It has been probably. Been a very long time. Probably at least 20 years. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw it. Yeah. So I, who knows? Maybe. Um, my opinion could have changed. It could have. Hercules could have gotten less cute. As the we have a dog that lives down the street that I said if they ever remake the movie, they need to cast that dog because it is the a, biggest dog I've ever seen in my entire life. A beast. It is indeed a beast. For sure. Um, so that's yeah. what we're going to be watching next time. Lauren, where can the people find you on the social media? Twitter and Instagram at Bancroft, B-A-N-C-R-O-F-F-E-D or www.laurenbancroft.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JP Thrice. You can find the past episodes of this show on Spotify and notlg.com. Also, check out pingcroftloft.com. Oh, yes. We have our own home recording studio. We're not taking clients in studio right now, but we are still offering editing services for podcasts. Yes. So if you have started a podcast in this uh, quiet time of solitude, I'm happy to help you with editing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And episode three, in the bag, we still have not come up with a sign-off. So we're just going to say we'll see you next time. Bye. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit notlg.com.